But I came to tell you something today, and I was mentioning it in the first meeting, and I'll bring you back up to speed with this. There's three levels in which people operate in. There's level one, level two, level three. Some big stuff is happening in this room today, and I would venture to say in the spirit realm, it's historic. It is true that every time the Lord has sent me, many times, not every time, but many, many times that I've been sent to this facility, to this congregation, this assembly, it has been at critical times of change and transition in different times over the years. And today, as I said to Pastor Xavier the other day, that I feel like I'm sent here on an assignment. And we began to talk about that earlier, that God has an assignment for everyone. And he wants people to fulfill his assignment. We live our lives aimlessly. And yet we don't understand that every person that is born is in this world is not born by mistake. There are no mistakes. None. Don't care how the lives turn out, there are no mistakes in his allowance to be a part of the global community or the community of humanity. And every person that's born has an assignment tag attached to their lives. And it's much more than even a job that you might have. It's a divine assignment. It's a purpose assignment. It's an assignment that comes out of the eternal realm where God himself speaks into this earthly realm. And so what I was saying in the earlier meeting is that every one of you have an assignment. It is up to the individual, the person, the family. There's individual assignments. There are family assignments. There are church assignments. And there are regional assignments. And there are national assignments. The nation of America, as great as it is, and it is a great nation, still has an assignment hanging over it from God Almighty. The regions that we all live in, the New York region in which I live in, has an assignment from God Almighty. The West Coast, the Bay Area, has an assignment from God Almighty. The regions that we here have here in the Bay Area of this particular area has an assignment from God. Churches in the region, individual assemblies, have an assignment from God. And then we go all the way back to the individual. And because you have an assignment, that actually gives you value. Because, because of the fact that there's something that God wants to bring in your life, it says to him and says to you that you are important in the overall mosaic of the plan and the tapestry of God. And God wants to begin to work in many of your lives. And I know that he, Pastor Javier said this in the beginning about good tracks, bad tracks, side of the road, bad side of the road. We all come from somewhere, but the assignments are with us all. And it doesn't matter where we've come from. The old song says it doesn't matter where you come from. What counts is where you're going. And every one of you in this building today, every baby that's being held, every child in children's church, every adult in these seats are going somewhere with God. And in saying that today, you also live at a certain level. And there's things that can hinder you, cause stagnation to waylay you from fulfilling the purpose and the plan of God. I'm going to get into this a little bit. And I said this earlier. I'm going to quote scriptures to you, but for time's sake. And you'll just have to get the CDs and read your Bible. Amen. But I will use the Bible when I talk to you. The Bible tells of a story 
tells of a story. Now, I'll go all the way back in 1 Kings 17. It talks, it says in 1 Kings chapter 17, it says, And Elijah the Tishbite was from the inhabitants of Gilead. So Elijah the Tishbite, he was from the people of Gilead. And God said to him, Go down to the brook Cherith, and I'm going to cause a raven to feed you there. He says, I'm going to cause there to be something that takes place. So we find this man named Elijah. He comes from the name of Tishbite people from the city or the region of the Gileadites. The name Tishbite speaks of a people. Actually, Gilead speaks of a rocky place. And so he comes from a hard place. And I, I see people all the time say, well, I'm from the hood. And they, they relish in that. I'm from the hood, dog. I'm down with the, with the brothers in the block. Nice. That's Gilead. Okay? A rough place, a hard place. And then he was a Tishbite from there. And the word the Tishbite actually means a people who start things, get excited about them, start moving towards doing them, and then when it's time to transition to the next level, they get what we call the cowardly lion anointing, and they get scared and turn and run back. You remember the Wizard of Oz? When the lion finally got to the Oz, to Oz, to see the wizard, he was the one that when the, when, when the smoke and the lightning and the thunder says, I'm the great and powerful Oz, he was standing there. He said, what can I do for you, lion? And he starts shaking and, oh, shucks. And he runs. That's a Tishbite mentality. God does not want his people to have a Tishbite mentality. So he takes Elijah through three places, from Gilead to Cherith. Cherith means the cutting away of the flesh. It means the cutting away of things. Separate, it means to be divorced from something. It means uh, to go to the butcher block, like a, a butcher would cut meat. So there at Cherith, he has to be stripped away from a mentality of a Tishbite and a Gileadian at the same time. And that's why God teaches him in Cherith how to depend upon the Lord. So he uses an unlikely bird, a raven, to bring him bread, and he uses the water of the brook Cherith. He uses two unlikely, uh, an, an unlikely source to take care of him, to teach him faith. And dependency upon God. After that test is over, he says, now arise and get to Zarephath, the third place. He said, there's a widow woman that, that I've planned there to feed you. So when he gets to Zarephath, there's a widow woman, which is odd also. First of all, it's a woman, and then it's a widow. That means that she doesn't have much because people didn't have much in those days. And he says, she's going to feed you. So he's still working on dependency. But the word Zarephath means the dawning of a new day. So God brings you out of a rocky place, a hard situation, a distant situation. He brings you from a mentality of incompletion into a place where you are stripped of everything. That's why a lot of you are going through what you're going through. Because he's got to strip stuff off you that you put on you. He's got to leave you there until it's all taken off. And then he moves you into a new day. So Elijah's ministry begins to go, and you know the story with Elijah. 
He calls out fire from heaven upon the prophets of Baal, and he's powerfully used. And Jezebel and Ahab are so-called king and queens, and they challenge his authority, and Elijah wins, and the fire comes down, and he wins the victory. But Jezebel, the spirit of a religious system, comes against him, a spirit of murder, comes against him and challenges him and says, I'm going to kill you by this time tomorrow. So he gets up and he runs to a cave. And he runs fast, and he's there in his cave, and he's wondering what, what happened to his ministry. And he's wondering all this stuff. And he's there, and when he's there, it says there's an earthquake, there's a fire. But the Lord's not in the earthquake or the fire. It said, then there's a still, small voice. And the still, small voice says, what are you doing here, Elijah? See, God doesn't scream when he has to really talk to you personally. He just whispers because his voice is unlike any voice in the universe. Okay, Psalm 29 talks about the voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord roars like thunder. But it's soft and you hear it in your heart. So he hears this. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he starts to tell God, you know, Jezebel did this and I'm the only one left. And God says, you're not the only one left. 7,000 prophets that have not bowed their knee to Baal. He says, I'll tell you what, because now you've lost focus, I can't use you like I once did. So I'll tell you what you're going to do. Listen to me very carefully. And this is the depths of the message. He said, I want you to go first and anoint Jehu king. I want you to go anoint two kings. Everybody say kings. Two kings, two kings. And he said, then I want you to go to see Elisha, son of Shaphat. He's in Abimehola. He says he'll be there plowing yokes of oxen. So Elijah obeys God and he goes and find, he does anoints Jehu, he anoints the other gentleman and he establishes these kingships and then he goes to anoint this young man. He gets there and Elisha is plying with 12 yoke of oxen which is 24 oxen. The oxen are known in the scriptures as an animal for the apostolic ministry. Paul said don't muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. The four faces of the beast in the book of Revelations, in the book of Ezekiel, it says it's the face of a lion, the face of a man, the face of the ox, and it turns constantly in God's face. It's the four dimensions of ministry that constantly are turning in the face of the Lord. It's the, it's the dimensions of how God actually ministers at different times. Sometimes Jesus ministers as the ox when he plowed and he came into the earth. Sometimes he's the lion of Judah. Sometimes he's the eagle that rises with prophetic wings. And sometimes he's the son of man. All right. You've been taught well. You've got great teachers here. My point is this. So he gets there and Elijah's with the 12 yoke of oxen. And he's there. And the Bible says that Elijah cast his mantle upon him. He says, come and follow me. And Elisha's there. And Elisha is a, probably a pretty good businessman. He's got a good home life. He's got a good family. And got all this wonderful stuff. And I'm reading out of, actually I'm quoting out of uh, <clears throat> 1 Kings 19, where I started at, for note's sake. And that's really where I'm quoting out of right now. And so it says in verse 15 to 22, and it says here, that Elisha says, I will follow you, but first let me go and take care of my father and my mother. He goes back to make sure everything's right. He says he cuts up some of the oxen, he feeds everybody, breaks up the, the cooking instruments because he's not coming back. 
So he's not coming back to that level. He says, then I will come and follow you. I asked a young man on his recent trip to Africa. He actually asked me, he said, why don't people serve the Lord with a fervency? He said, why don't people give their all to God? Why don't people touch the nations like Jesus said we should? I said, I don't know. Then I started thinking. I was talking to him in the van. Because we went to see, we went to minister to the Maasai tribe. And they had churches in Maasai. Maasai Mara, they call it. And we were there with them. And I said, Lord, why don't they do it? He said, because they're stuck at level one. I said, well, what's level one? He said, when people, it speaks of family and provision. The natural thing. He said, they're stuck there. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, most people that are in my body are stuck at level one. He said, they care, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with Elisha saying, I got to go take care of my mother and father. I got to take care of the business and make sure everything is right. He said, but sometimes it's an overboard or it takes so long to get it established that they can't do the work that I called them for the original assignment. Isn't it funny, like I said this in the back room, isn't it funny that we could be asked to come and volunteer uh, for a book bag project or some of the things that take place, and it's a Saturday afternoon, it's 3 o'clock or maybe 10 a.m., and yet there's a stagnation sometimes to participate. Look at somebody say, he ain't scared of us. And then we could be here sitting in the seats and your phone's buzzing. It's the boss. I need you to come in today at four. Some prep for tomorrow. Can you make it? Uh, Yeah, I'll be there. And there's a difference of commitment the difference of commitment to level one because that's what we're the most familiar with and that's what we put our time into what is level one well it's weddings it's funerals it's jobs it's school it's taking care of the kids and that's all good and we have to do that we have to do that it's finances Ooh, the big word the big f word finances It's finances, it's money, it's stocks, it's investments, it's all of that. And that's what most believers think about. Jesus said, though, in Matthew 6, verse 33. He says it actually going back to verse 30. He said, behold the lilies of the field. He said, they don't toil or spin. He said, and behold, Solomon in all of his glory was not made as beautiful as this. But my father did this. In one word, he caused them to grow like this. He said, your father knows what you need of before you ask him. He said, but seek first, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He put a priority upon seeking the kingdom first versus operating and being dominated by level one. He says, that's good, but seek first the kingdom. Very important. 
And God says a lot of his people are in that level and they can't get out. That's why it's the system that we function in. And that's why I told people earlier, you can't wait for somebody in Washington to save you. You can't wait for another election to say, there's my deliverance. It ain't coming from man. The only one that has the power to deliver you is God Almighty. And you got to understand that now. Doesn't matter who's there. Yeah, we pray for them, but they're not the deliverers. God says, I'll be your deliverer. I'll be your increase. I'll be your blessing. I'll be your prosperity. I am your healer. Now, let me stop because I messed people up in here. People are so tight. This election messed the church up so bad, it's pitiful. The church is divided over a stupid election because our eyes were taken off of the king and put the... And I'm not a political preacher, but it messed my church up. And I'm trying very hard to get people to fellowship together again. Because now people come to church fellowship as Democrats and Republicans. Are you kidding me? There's no Democrats or Republicans in the kingdom of God. There's the children of God and the saints and the believers in Jesus. That's what it's all about. So we've reduced the things of God back to a Gileadian level or a Tishbite level or a first level mentality which is based upon man's manipulation and man's influence the Bible says cursed is the man that does what? trust in the arm of flesh for the arm of flesh will fail you have you ever been burned up by the arm of flesh every now and then? Absolutely. Somebody did you wrong. Look around at that person next to you and say, somebody definitely did me wrong at one time or two in my life. They lied to you. They manipulated you. They owed you money. They used you. They abused you. They messed you up. They didn't pay you when they were supposed to pay you. And I could go on and on and on. They cheated you out of this. They cheated you out of that. They ignored you. They didn't pray for you. They didn't want to pick you up. That's all level one mentality. Carnality. <sighs> all right. So in the first level, it's family and provision, which is a beautiful level. There's nothing like your family. There's nothing like that. It's work, job, bosses, children, school, security, managers, weddings, funerals, houses, cars, investments, savings, food, daily bread. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 9, he said, In this manner, therefore, pray. He says, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. But he put the kingdom above the daily bread. Second level is the church. And the church is the toughest place to be someday. Oh, the church. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. The scripture says very clearly, I'll tell you a story to save time, oh my God. The scripture tells you very clearly in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Jesus asked the disciples, he said, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? He says, fellas, it's only 12 of us. Who do, you, who do people say that I am? I want to know, what's the census out here? What's happening on Instagram? What's the vibe on chit chat or pin crest or whatever it is? 
Facebook. Who do they say that I really am? <laughs> they started stuttering. They said, uh, uh, some, say, some, some, some say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're one of the prophets. He said, no, no. Who do you say that I am? See, because, because if you don't know who he is, then you can't do what he commanded you to do. Uh, it can make sense in a few minutes. And Peter steps up and said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, Peter, flesh and blood. He says, Simon. No, he calls him Simon. He says, Simon, son of Jonah. So he goes back and calls him by, by his original name, his first level name. Simon means wishy-washy, unstable, insecure. Son of Jonah, connecting and reflecting on Jonah, who was running from the will of God. Simon, son of Jonah, he said, flesh and blood did not reveal this unto you, but my Father, which is in heaven, has revealed this unto you. So in that moment, Jesus brings Peter. He says, but I'm, he said, but I'm going to call you Peter. Because upon this rock of revelation or that truth that is revealed, I'm going to build my ecclesia or my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In the moment when he talked to Peter and he said, Peter, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. He introduced, Jesus, I mean, he introduced Peter to his father, a new family, a new head of a family. So not only now Peter has his natural family, because you know in the scripture says Peter's mother-in-law got healed. So Peter had a family in the natural level one. He says, now you got level two, my father which is in heaven. Jesus associates this relationship with a divine, eternal father, and then that makes Jesus his, now his brother. And he brings him not only into the assignment and the revelation of the purpose of God, because after that he says, because you have revelation, I'm going to reveal what I came to earth to do. And that's build my church. Now, the church actually means, and you know this, it means the called out ones. It means the ecclesia. It means those that would sit. It's a Roman term or a Greek term. Those that would sit at the seat of, seat of Caesar and hear his mind and inter interpret his thoughts. He's saying, I called you 12, and 12 is a governmental number like Elisha had in the old days when he had 24 oxen, which meant Elisha had a double portion. And that's why he had to be called because he had 24, which is a double portion number, 12 times 2, which is the government in the Old Testament and the government in the New Testament. It was a prophetic type. And he says, I called you. And upon this rock of revelation, he said, the gates of hell will not prevail against you. He said, I'm going to build my church. What's been being built is not his church. Men have reduced a lot of what Jesus wanted to level one thinking. Small thinking. I get angry when I go to New York and I see all these new buildings coming up. And they say construction is booming. We were riding today. Booming in, in, in Oakland, everywhere. And I say men that don't even know God can build buildings and churches still struggle to build buildings level one so Jesus introduces Peter to his father to the inheritance and to the purpose all in one chapter stay with me I, I, I'm going to talk as fast as I can I know the clock is ticking and this is very important what I'm saying 
He says, when I build my church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Because the church many times, why the church is such a tedious place, because people can't get along. There's so much craziness in the church that it's like, is this the church that I'm reading about or what is this? Well, I don't like the way she looked at me. I don't like the shoes she has on. I don't like the way he sat next to her. You could see he had lust in his eyes as soon as he shook my hand. Or he, he, he gave me a, front, a frontal hug instead of a, sty, a side one. Well, he just got here. He's new. You better keep an eye on him. And on and on and on. They want position. They want authority. You got to keep them back. Don't let, don't let them do anything else. They'll take the place over. And on and on. That's what's inside of the church. But that's not the church that he built. That's a level one. Everybody say, that's a level one mentality. The church that he builds will have unity. Like the book of Acts, it will have love. It will have forgiveness. It will have mercy. It will have patience. It will have grace. It will have the fruit of the Spirit. It will love everybody. It will share and give and not be territorial. It won't have all the junk that we see. It will be a church that represents his heart. That's why he says, church is his family, the body of Christ. Okay. I'm going to get to the end. The third level is the kingdom. And that's why when Jesus said to Peter, he said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He said, and to you I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Because the real church is called to be in its most innate form God's Congress. Just like you see in our, our nation, they say we have to take everything to Congress because they passed the laws. The church is supposed to be the Congress of God, of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in the earthly realm. That's why he says, I give you the authority to arrest and lock up stuff that shouldn't be here and loose stuff that should be. You're the Congress. You change the laws and the seasons inside of this earthly realm. I've given you that authority. But the church has not been being taught that. It's been being taught about, um, uh, I love my pastor and, um, <clears throat> and, and, and what I'm going to wear and this thing and this thing. But it's not taught to actually exercise government in the spiritual dimension. And say there will be no more of this in this particular region because the Congress of God, the church, the body of Christ said it's not going to be because we've got the keys of the kingdom. And whatsoever I bind on earth is bound in heaven. And whatsoever I loose on earth is loosed in heaven. I'm operating as a kingdom man. Not worshiping some convention, some congress, some uh, consecration, some old stuff that people make up. And so, many people that are in church 
are stuck at levels one and two that they created. The body of Christ is not supposed to be walking around only known for praying an invocation and a benediction at, at events. Well, now we have Reverend, Reverend Jones who will give us the invocation before we begin the day. And the meeting is full of sin after that. And the politicians use the preachers to pray, to, to, to pray blessing on their stuff. Pastor Abby, I'm trying to finish this. I'm almost getting just a little bit more. Level two. The church is supposed to be so powerful. The church is not supposed to be divided or segmented, even in regions. See, when you have an apostolic church like God is calling you to become. When you read about the apostolic church in the book of Acts, that's what that's about. Men have actually misused the word apostolic and tagged it on to junk. So now people are confused. I go to first, uh, apostolic, uh, first apostolic faith. What are you talking about? And there's three people in there. Yeah, I'm going to say what I got to say here today. Went to a church in Jersey one time and the guy had me come and he was supposed to, supposed to meet me, and I got there, and, and uh, it made me mad. I drove all the way down a particular town, and he's there. And he, First of all, he wasn't there. And me and the guy that rode with me, we, we said, well, where's the church? And there was a gate on it, you know, a roll-up gate. Then we see a car come about a half hour later, and the guy came. And I told my armor bearer, I said, listen, if this guy doesn't come, I'm leaving. And then the Lord said, you need to leave anyway. He said, but before you leave, you go tell him what I want you to tell him. So he shows up. And he goes in some room, you know. He's got the slick shoes on, beautiful red jacket, chains hanging from his necks, neck, and shades on. And it's 7 o'clock at night in the winter. You got to catch it in the winter. Sun goes down at 530. And he had the old school shades on with the silver sides, the wide black shades, nice cut. And he sits down back in this chair like he's the king. And I walked in his office. I said, I've been here for 45 minutes waiting for you. He said, don't worry about nothing, Pastor. He said, the people are going to show up. There was another meeting around the corner. You know, he walking like that, slick shoes on, you know. They weren't nice as these, but, you know, he had some shoes on. But... He, the old suede things, you know. And I looked at him, I said, okay. He said, yeah, they're going to come. I said, oh, yeah, they're coming, huh? And so this elderly lady came in, and she comes in. Oh, God, I thank you, Jesus. Now, hallelujah. Touch Jesus. And she's the only one in the sanctuary. So I'm standing there getting madder and madder. And I look at him. I said, let me tell you something, brother. I said, you're running a sham up in here. I said, you got 10 or 15 people in here and you running around this area with three or four churches saying you some apostle. You're not any apostle. 
and said, you're a mess, and I'm not preaching for you, and I'm not coming back. I, I only waited just to tell you that. And in my mind, I said, if you want to jump off, I got my boy with me too. Because I ain't stupid. Sorry, that's level one thinking. Sorry, it's over. <laughs> and I left. I left. But I wanted him to know. I said, you're playing games, and there's so much of that foolishness. Because the third level is the kingdom. Jesus said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. He came to establish the kingdom. He said, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. A kingdom church is an apostolic church, which means apostles and prophets, the foundation of the body of Christ, are influencing that church, are speaking into it, are around and surrounding the leadership of that church. An apostolic church is a development training center. It's a sending church that creates and cultivates and develops people and trains them so that they can take over the nations of the world. I got to get to this thing because time is running out. <sighs> the third dimension, let me break this down. When Elijah went to the first place, he cast the mantle on him. But after he got Elisha, Elisha wanted something after a couple of years. He said, what is it that you want? He said, I want a double portion of your spirit. How many remember that? Everybody quotes that. I got a double portion. He got a double portion of your spirit. The only way you're going to get that is you have to serve. Mantles are not free. Mantles are not free. You serve. Because the first mantle was to serve. He was known as Elisha, the man who poured water on the hands of Elijah. What a title. Water boy. We wouldn't take that nowadays. Well, who are you? Uh, I'm just the water boy. Too much pride nowadays. I'm, 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 I'm this, I'm that. No, 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 no. It's better just to be a water boy. And so he gets there. Let me get this to you and I'll get the last part in. I'm, I'll promise you I'll be done. Does it make sense to you so far? All right. The church is supposed to be a place of love, unity, Every race under heaven should be any prejudice and racism in the church. Ah, stop messing with the church. So he takes Elijah. He says, The Lord has sent me to go somewhere. This is 2 Kings chapter 2, I think, verse 1. He says, The Lord has sent me to go to three places. Here's the part I didn't give in the first service. He says, I know. Elijah said, as the Lord lives and so as I live, I will not leave you. You're not leaving me. First place he goes is Bethel. Bethel, the house of bread. The place of provision. <laughs> it's the church. The first place he takes him. He ministers there. The 50 prophets are there. They say, the Lord's going to remove him from your authority today. He says, I know. Elijah gets up. He says, I'm leaving again. Mm -hmm. He says, the Lord has sent me also to another place to go to Jericho. Jericho means the place of the fragrance. It's a place of worship. It's a place of praise and worship. It's a place where the prophetic and intercession is loosed. 
he went with them there. The third place he went was to the Jordan. And that's where he asked them, he said, what is it that you really want? He said, I want a double portion of your spirit. He said, I'll tell you what. Now, I, I, I teach this in leadership sessions a lot of times. Because Elijah was not, he was an old school leader that didn't want to share power. But I, I, I ain't got time for that today. And he wasn't relational. He was a loner. Because wouldn't you think he would have said, come on, walk with me. You've served me all this time. Why did the man have to ask him for something? Because of the mentality he had. And that's why God had to transition him. He said, I have to go to Jordan. He said, what is it? He said, I want a double portion of your spirit. He said, if you see me when I go, then you can have it. Isn't that something? Instead of just giving it to him, I've served you all these years. Just give me a thing, man. You got to make me beg and work and follow you and keep looking all the way. He gets to Jordan. The Jordan is the other cut off river. Cherith was the place of divorcing. Jordan is the river of death. It's called the descender. It's called the river that goes down. And every great transition and every crossover into a new dimension has to cross the Jordan. Joshua, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. Get now the people up and take them across the Jordan. Tells them all, Jesus goes to the Jordan with John the Baptist for the transition. And so Elijah has to go. They get there. He said, if you see me when I go, you have to keep looking. So when you're working with leadership, I'm doing too many principles out. You're working with leadership, you have to keep following. You got to watch their life. And their life should be something that you want to follow. Oh, that's my cue. That's my cue. Time's up. I got the second service. What's the third service? All right. Is that the Pentecostal way of staying? Sit down. All right. What happens? The third dimension is the kingdom. The first level was the house of bread, provision. Second level was the church, the fragrance, the worship, the praise. Third level is the kingdom. When he crosses the Jordan, he goes into the unknown. Most people in church do not understand the kingdom because it's the unknown realm. what ends up happening, he, he drops the, the second mantle, he smacks the mantle and goes back across back, back across and he goes back to Jericho he goes back into the church because Elisha fellowshiped and he was relational he was relational and he built something that was powerful and awesome it's the kingdom message now and there's only one message it's not the church message it's the kingdom message and that's the only message that he's called you and I to preach because in the kingdom that's why I said when Elijah went to anoint and find Elisha before he found Elisha he had to anoint two kings 
God has called the church to function as kings and priests in the earth. And we're functioning as paupers and beggars. And he says, you're kings and priests, but you don't know who you really are. You don't know. When I walk into a city, I'm not scared. When I come into a nation, I'm not, I don't have any fear. Because my father owns that nation. I don't care if it's down in the belly of the beast, the hood, if it's a rich neighborhood. It doesn't matter to me. My father owns it all. He said, wherever the soles of my feet tread, that I have given unto you. In the kingdom, it's territory, it's dominion. The, the concept of the kingdom is dominion, taking over. It goes back to the original mandate that he gave Adam. Multiply, subdue nations. He said, multiply, be fruitful, multiply replenish the earth and subdue it's the original mandate that he gave the first man Jesus preached it this way Matthew 28 that's why he says go and preach the gospel to the nations he didn't tell them to wait for another job or a raise or a bonus or this or that we get stuck in this am I going to get this apartment or that, that room are you kidding me he didn't die for that stuff he, did, he died on that cross so that every man and every woman that's born, every person that comes into the earth with a tag and an assignment would have the opportunity to come from poverty into complete royalty. Are you listening to me? Ask the kingdom. And the king of the king is Jesus Christ himself. There is no one greater. There is no greater coming. There is no greater move. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. That's who God is and His Son is. God bless you.